and welcome to the Soulful of It podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Raquel. On today's episode, I'm joined by Uni as we dive into the topic of false narratives. If you enjoy this episode, please remember to go give us a five-star rating on iTunes and share it out with your networks. All right, let's jump into this. Thank you for joining me. It's really exciting to have you here. Thanks. So what is your definition of a false narrative for our listeners who are like, what is that? Well, a false narrative for me is something that was once an, an outside voice that you internalized. And from other people that I've talked to, it's helped me create a second meaning on top of that. Maybe somebody has cast you as a character in their story and you fed into that by believing that. And I think sometimes we can do that to ourselves without knowing. Yeah, that is what I would say is a false narrative pretty much exactly how I would define it as well. It's just who you have been told that you are by other people in your life, maybe an authoritative figure, a parent or a teacher, um, and also who you've kind of bought into believing that you are. And I think this is really prevalent. We see this in school, right? I mean, it's kind of like Mean Girls, the movie, right? You're going around the, <laughs> the around the cafeteria and you're like, those are the jocks and those are the weird kids and those are the anime nerds and those are the cheerleaders or whatever bucket is it is that you fall into and labels are super prevalent and then those things actually are kind of like seeds. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of sprout inside of us and we start buying into them or we start telling other people that that's who we are or other people start assuming those things of us in those you know earlier days in our lives you're one thing then you can't be another what we're going to be talking about today is breaking down that as a false narrative in itself yeah it's interesting i I ask myself if the false narrative exists as a as a child because i feel like it starts as a teenager once you start noticing that There's Mm -hmm. other people's eyes on you. You suddenly become aware of your behavior in the space that you are occupying, like you're putting your eyes on yourself. So then you're trying to fit some sort of mold. And I think this is what creates the the perfect environment for these false narratives to kind of take root. Yeah, they can take hold of your life. I agree. I think as children, we are the truest expression of who we really are in those early days obviously things like trauma can have a huge impact on what happens to us and how we are navigating the world but ultimately kids are really resilient and they're not afraid to say who they are and be the character in their story that is Mm multi-dimensional as a child you are well when i want to grow up i want to be an artist and the president i want to build cars like a kid will tell you like five or six things that they want to be when they grow up And then when we get to an age when we're like teenagers, oh, I want to do this, but I don't know if that's even like realistic for me. Yeah. It's like we limit ourselves by putting ourselves in little boxes. And that's what false narratives do is they kind of strap us down to this is the way that you are and this is who you are and this is the character that you're going to be in this story. And that's what we're here to break down today is the reality that you can be whoever you want to be in your story. And if you're listening to this right now, and you're not really sure what character you are in the story of your life, I'd invite you to analyze that. You know, who am I to other people? Who am I to myself? And is that in line with who I want to be? And if, if I could be anyone, and it's not, it's not just the question of if I could be anything when I grow up, but kind of it is. If I could be anyone, not to choose another person to become, 
You're not going to be like, oh, if I could be anybody, I'd be Oprah, obviously, <laughs> which is awesome. But if I could be anyone, what would that person look like? How would they feel? What would they wake up feeling and doing? What would they do first thing in the morning? You know, what does that life look like? And then look at what you want and what you have and who you currently are and how you're living your life and how can you overlap those things? Because the reality is that you can change your story at any moment in time. Yeah, that's true. So I want to hear a little bit about false narratives that you've maybe carried throughout your life. What were those false narratives? Where were you in your life? And how did you overcome them? Well, I mean, it's uh, it's a very loaded topic. I can start at any which point in my life because I think I've embodied several different narratives. But I think I will stick to when I was younger. I had an abusive adult. I won't say who they were, but it was a family member, not my nuclear family, but extended. And they told me that I would never amount to anything in mm. life. And I think telling this to a fourth grade child is not something that normal people would do this is not planting seeds to help grow a person in a positive way and i think i really took that to heart because uh for the longest time i i really believed that and i think i unconsciously was making decisions that was actually self-sabotaging to a degree that i became so afraid of success that i wouldn't allow any opportunity for it to flow into my life and i ended up resenting myself, resenting my situations in life, and uh, closing myself off from any opportunities that had the potential to uh, really enrich my life. And it took so many years for me to recognize that and be able to step back and look at it and sit there and think, oh, this is not really the person that I am. It's like I am feeding into something because I'm afraid, and I think fear fuels that over time. Yeah, it's almost like easier to live in that fearful place because it is something that you're familiar with. Exactly. Do you think in your life that that person and their influence, probably they're older than you, right? So yes. they kind of have an authority over you where as a child you might look up to them and think, well, certainly they can't be wrong, right? They can't be wrong about me. They know better than I do. I must be this thing. Do you think that believing in that false narrative at that young age snowballed into it kind of existing in other relationships with other people later in life? I think so, yes. I immediately noticed that as a child, I was just really bad at school. Like every single thing that I had to approach, I didn't even learn how to read until fifth grade. Everyone had these stars on their like chart. I had nothing. And my teachers would kind of reinforce that when they would talk to me. I ended up taking that on. It wasn't until maybe in my teenage years that I was able to step out of that and recognize that I was able to exceed other people's expectations to the point that like now I expect people to underestimate me because it's just so nice to watch <laughs> their expression when I exceed their expectations. And that's kind of cool now that you're at this point where you're like, yeah, why don't you go ahead and underestimate me and watch me blow your mind? Yep. <laughs> but that's not where you came from. You mm -hmm. probably came from a place, it sounds like, where you were used to being underestimated. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, you kind of fulfilled that, kind of became like a self-fulfilling uh, prophecy mm -hmm. that, oh, well, you know, I am what you say I am. And so I'm just going to perform to that level. So what would you say is kind of and I'm sure there's probably a series of these, but a turning point that you could share with us that helped you break out of that, you know, choosing to go, okay, you're going to underestimate me, but 
I'm going to perform to the level that I can perform to and challenge myself and rise to grow and bloom and evolve and become the person that I am and exceed in my greatness. And I'm actually okay with you underestimating me. It was uh, actually a professor at Reedley College. It was uh, Miss Kelly. She was a math teacher. I want to say I was 18. Okay, cool. I was 18. The turning point age in general. Yeah, exactly. And I had just failed that math class with a previous teacher who made me feel absolutely stupid. And um, like like I was a fool for not understanding something so complicated and she actually helped me not only learn the math it it became easy I got an A plus in her class I ended up um, being in honors and she believed in me so much that she paid for me to go to the honors trip in San Jose to like be part of these like conferences and workshops and I think that was the first time in my life that I saw somebody outside of my circle like a teacher like spent hundreds of dollars on me because she wanted to make sure that I went because she saw some greater potential within me and for me that was a turning point because it made me aware of yes I do have potential I have all of this like great qualities to to bring to the table and I'm capable of learning something complicated so you can't sit there and tell me that I'm stupid for not understanding something maybe you're just not able to teach properly because I think if you show me the teacher I'll show you the student if you have a quality teacher you're going to have a quality student and I think it's important to have these people that recognize these things and help you break outside of the mold that you had put yourself in because after that I never had a GPA below a 3.5 after that Wow. And that just goes to show that for all those people who doubted you before, they really just weren't seeing your potential and they certainly weren't acting on helping you grow into that potential. And I think that just speaks to how strong false narratives can and are in our lives. And they do kind of haunt us like they follow us. And I would say for myself personally, the false narrative that I've come up against the most in my life that even to this day will make side appearances here and there is the false narrative of kind of being the villain of the story. And I notice in my early days, you know, having troubles in family with just growing up and we didn't have a lot of money. And, you know, when my dad wasn't living with us anymore, it was very much a single mom raising two children. And the struggle of that was hard. And I kind of grew a really hard exterior to meet the fact that my living circumstances were difficult and I didn't have a lot of trust in other people because things weren't always super stable for us. So it was hard for me to just trust in general. And it just became very easy for people to blame things on me for things to be my fault. And I even had a thought recently where I had a, a memory. I went to a playground the other day, this week actually, and I just remembered being at a playground as a child and this little girl at the playground that I was just like playing with. I didn't know her, but I met her there. I don't know how old I was. Probably was like seven or something. I was pretty young. She like wanted to convince me to climb on top of the slide. And I'm pretty mischievous. So I definitely thought about it. I was like, hmm, yeah, climb on top of the slide. We're not supposed to do that. Like, oh, I might want to do that. But then I was also hesitant. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to do that. And she was like, I'll do it first. And I was like, okay. So she like starts climbing on top of the slide and as she's climbing on top of it, I'm realizing I'm like, this is a terrible idea. I'm not going to do this. And she fell and she like hit her head or something. And she granted she was totally fine. It wasn't a very tall slide. It was for children. Right. But I remember her mom just kind of being like, 
you told my daughter to climb on top of the slide. And it was just that easy. The universe was constantly magnifying this villain storyline to me. And I believed it. I just started believing it. And I remember in that moment, I don't think I even defended myself. I think I was just, I think to my mom later, I was like, mom, I did not tell her to do that because I didn't. But in the moment to the woman, I don't think I even said anything. I think I just kind of let her steamroll me and shame me for being the bad kid Mm -hmm. because it was kind of what would happen at school. And by the time I got to junior high, hormones are raging. You're going through puberty. You're kind of puffing up your chest. You're 13 or 14 years old. And you think you know everything. At that point in time, I was like, yeah, I'm a villain. And I had this whole time in my life, eighth grade in particular, a rough year for everybody i think Mm -hmm. anybody who survived eighth grade and didn't come off with any scabs god bless you i don't know how you did it that year in particular i remember if people were in my way in the hallway i would shove them out of my way like i didn't give a fuck i'd be like (laughs) move and i'd push people out of my way and that was because i was really embodying what people had been pouring into me for so long but it didn't actually affect my academics i was always performing well Because I like to be able to fall back on that. I'd be like, okay, yeah, I'm mean and I'm a villain. I'm going to just do that. But look at, I'm also the best student in this class. So what are you going to do about it? And for me, I guess a turning point, I'd say getting a job. (laughs) That's pretty humbling. Getting your first job. And I think having my sister around and having her kind of remind me that I'm not this person, that was really helpful for me as well. And my mom was always really open-minded and very fair-minded so she would always kind of balance out oh yeah you might think this thing but there's also this other way of looking at it and she was very delicate and gentle in that way so I think having a good balance at home kind of helped me round out but ultimately I didn't really like take that storyline down and out of myself or really begin to fully until I left my hometown and I think probably you can speak to that too that there are storylines and false narratives that you didn't actually shed until you left California. No, definitely. And I'd have to agree. Sometimes I even wonder if people are aware of the fact that they're planting seeds in people, like these false narrative seeds. Because, like, as you mentioned earlier, this mother just walked up to you and said, oh, you did this to my daughter. Plant a seed. Yeah. And uh, I think at that age, especially as a teenager, you're looking for validation outside of yourself. And if you have people walking up to you, planting a weed, we will call it, (laughs) that's going to end up growing with you. And depending on how the trauma around your life has been, you might take that and just run with it. And that ends up becoming the core identity that you identify with. And at that point, it's like if that perpetuates throughout your life, you're going to find yourself in this really unhappy state where you don't know who you are. You're buying into this narrative that isn't necessarily embodying your actual higher self your spirit Mm -hmm. your soul yeah yeah it's crazy and and for me with the villain thing it's like I really did shed that in a large way when I left my hometown and I had to do that I had to make that move and that was like the only thing I knew I didn't have any certainty in moving to Oregon that it was going to last or work out or there was no no way for me to really know how this was going to end up and here we are right here we (laughs) here we are we are but I would you know I couldn't see into the future and At that time in my life, all that I knew was that if I stayed where I was, 
I would stay who I was. And I don't know that that's true for everybody. I think it's true for most people. Maybe I am biased because I did leave my hometown. But the perspective that I gained from leaving familiarity and stepping into the most uncomfortable period in my life grew me as a person more than anything else ever had at that point in my life. And even to now, almost 10 years later since I moved, it still was and probably always will be one of the biggest growth points in my life. And I don't think it was obtainable for me unless I had left. I think it's so important to explore. And I think that's why people need to travel too. Not just leaving your hometown and moving somewhere else. I think there's a lot of value in that. Even if you just move somewhere for like a year and it doesn't work out, the growth that you experience in that year or three months or six months, if you can't leave your hometown, I think you do need to travel. Yeah. Definitely. There's no room for growth if you're staying in the same place, seeing the same people, doing the same things. And you've done a lot of traveling. You've moved quite a few times, but you've traveled a lot as well. What would you say traveling has done for you as far as fighting these false narratives that we all have inside of us? I think for the longest time I had, uh, I'm going to step back and say I've had this false narrative around relationships because in the past I had always been cast as a bad guy. Mm -hmm. So I always went with it. And it was almost like I would disassociate in order to just fulfill that role, Mm -hmm. whether it was um, cheating on my partner at the time or just like doing the absolute worst decision that doesn't even like line up with my true values Mm -hmm. i would disassociate and do it and then it was done and i think uh traveling outside of the country being abroad seeing these like huge disparities and seeing these like people that are basically there have been there's been genocides like in cambodia the fact that the genocide happened and all these things and these are things i never considered never took a moment to like step back and and wonder about these foreign cultures and everything and i think for for me seeing that and experiencing that was so humbling it shattered me in the most beautiful way i don't even think i had the potential for empathy before that because i had walled myself up to build this like really thick shell protection around me so that i was right and everyone else was wrong and nothing can pierce that armor and i think being able to see the killing fields being able to interact with these people really humbled me in such a way that it like broke the cage that i had around my heart and from that moment on i was able to really empathize with people to feel what they're going through and i think that has been a blessing because it really opened up my heart and it opened me up to all these new richer deeper relationships with my friends with my lovers with everyone and i think having gone through that also gives me the blessing of being able to feel the contrast between what that was like and where I'm at now. And that becomes this further reassuring evidence that makes me know that I am on the right path. It's kind of self-knowledge, right? Yep. How old were you? I want to say I was 24. (laughs) Wow. I mean, I was around for that. So I definitely think whenever you came back from your travels that you would go and go somewhere new, you had an energy to you that was different and like fascinating and 
everybody would come over to your house, wherever you were living at the time, we would all gather when you got back and you would tell us all about your travels. And, and it really was kind of an energy exchange. Mm-hmm. You were kind of giving me energy of like, this is what I, well, this is what's out there. This is what you haven't seen yet. This is what you haven't been exposed to yet. And I think you're right with travel. You learn so much more about yourself and the world and kind of get this realization like, wow, I'm a speck. You know, mm-hmm. this world is huge and, you know, the things that I'm facing are hard, but there's a lot more hardships out there that I'm not even aware of. And it really starts to test what you perceive of yourself mm-hmm. and the story that you are living out. And it can help you break out of those false narratives. I'm sure you came back and if you had a false narrative before that you weren't empathetic, mm-hmm. which probably you did because you weren't acting empathetic in your life at that point, you came back and you realized it sounds like you had a massive capacity for being an empathetic and compassionate human being yeah definitely i think uh, after that i started feeling and i was able to finally be vulnerable with people and i think that allowed this new growth to come in and changing that narrative especially when you're going to these extremely poor countries and you're seeing people with smiles on their faces greeting you like their family and i think uh that just is a testament to the power of frames of mind and how you can choose to portray your narrative. I love that. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. All right. Another thing that I wanted to briefly go over is the journey of finding yourself and what that looks like. How many times do you think you would say that you found yourself in your life? (sighs) I find myself all the time. I think it's something that never really goes away. You're constantly being reminded of yourself and you're going to continue to find yourself in different places in your life. And I think that's the beautiful part of the journey is just to see the unfolding of your life, of yourself, of all these deeper realizations of your very nature. And at the end of the day, I think that's the most rewarding aspect of being alive is to be able to see how all these adversities and times and experiences end up really changing the flavor of the wine that you are yeah i mean we definitely age like fine wine Mm -hmm. in time and we change and i think that is also part of finding yourself i think in society it's kind of portrayed as like well when you find yourself you'll go to college and you're gonna find yourself and you're gonna get this new job and you're gonna find yourself and you're gonna go on this vacation and and you're gonna find yourself you don't just find yourself once Mm -hmm. i didn't just move to oregon and find myself i found myself when i moved to oregon i found myself before i moved to oregon i found myself again a year into living in oregon and then a couple years later and every month every day I was finding different parts of myself and even now like tomorrow I could wake up and find a new part of myself and with false narratives sometimes we find a quote part of ourself and we go wait a second this isn't me this is something somebody projected onto me yeah this is you know so-and-so's trauma or this is their anger or their grief and it it's attached itself to me and it's dragging me down and I'm embodying it. And I think we see that with energy. Like if you wake up and something goes wrong and you're having a bad day and then it just avalanches into the worst day ever and you speak it into truth early into the day, someone goes, how are you? And you go, 
eh, not that good. Traffic was terrible. You know, I was late to work, blah, blah, blah. All of these things, you're, as soon as you're saying them out loud, the vibration suddenly becomes true, right? Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the day, it actually is one of the worst days of your life because you got in a car wreck. And now not only did you, you know, wake up late and you got to work late, the traffic was bad and so-and-so was rude to you at work and you got a text message from somebody who was angry about something and then you get in a car wreck and it's just the worst day ever. Things just avalanche like that. False narratives are the same way. Yeah. So when you start thinking, you know, I'm a villain or I'm not very smart or I'm as lazy as people say I am and I'm just throwing these out as examples, one of them being my own, but the other two being things that I've heard people say about themselves. Mm-hmm. What you say about yourself matters and it becomes your truth. Thoughts become things. Beliefs become real and they shape who we who we become even if it's not who we are and i think that's an important thing to be aware of the difference Mm -hmm. that who you become can be shaped by what's projected onto you and what you accept and we accept a lot more than i think we realize as humans and people are constantly offering us things about us you know i can offer to you hey, Uni, I think you're one of my best friends and I find a lot of quality. Here you go. Like You're such a great person and I can offer that to you and you can accept it or reject it. If you have self-love, you're going to go, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I am a great friend. Thank you for recognizing that. If you don't have self-love, you can actually block something that's highly positive from coming into you Mm -hmm. and then it derails. And your false narrative could actually be what blocks your ability to receive a compliment. Yeah, your false narrative could be essentially the lens through which you're deciding to view your life upon, and that can either be working for you or against you. And it's in our language. I can't. I would if. Well, when I do this, (laughs) then. Well, I'll be happy when. All of those sentences are limited. Yep. There are um, limitations that we're placing on ourselves, and other people have put them on us. And we've embodied them, but now we're adults and now we have to navigate this world and it's on us. You know, it's our responsibility to decide who we are and to decide who we become. Yeah. And that's what this episode's all about is inviting, you know, if you're listening to this with us right now, you know, ask, we're asking you to take a look inside of yourself. Who are you? How are you navigating the world? What do other people project onto you? What offers are you receiving? Which ones are you receiving? Um, well, which ones are you receiving poorly? You know, if, if some if you're saying to me, Uni, you know what, Carrie, you're a shit friend. <laughs> 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 then I can reject that. And that actually does protect me. And that's necessary. And so there is a balance here, right? There are, are people in your life who might be negative or might be handing you things that you need to reject. But there are also good things that you need to accept. And your false narratives can block those things yep. in any direction. It's true. All right. Well, then to wrap this up... I wanted to ask you a few random questions. Go. Finish a sentence for me. One thing I'm grateful for is... Waking up today and being able to have the opportunity to sit here and um, uh, share some of my story in hopes that it allows others to have permission to share their story or even to just realize that there's other people going through these types of things themselves. Fill in the blank. I am the blank of my story i am the hero of my unwritten mythology that will someday be written i'm sure (laughs) (laughs) it is written okay and last question what is your soul full of right now my soul is full of gratitude hope and inspiration i just want 
to be a person that plants seeds and pulls weeds from other people's soul gardens so that they can blossom and be the most brilliant, beautiful versions of themselves out in the world today and every day. That is beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing a little bit about you and diving into this topic with all of us. And I really appreciate you being here, Yumi. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to the Soulful of It podcast. We are so grateful to have you along for the ride. Couldn't do it without you guys. Exactly. You guys are the best. All right. Have an awesome day. Cheerio. Cheerio.